Thanks for listening to the Velocity Church podcast. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Now here's the message. How wonderful. I'm, I'm so honored and, and thank you, Pastor Arthur, for uh, inviting me to speak. Um, but we are very grateful to be part of this church. And if you're just visiting, uh, thank you for, for coming out. But I hope what you leave with is Jesus. If not, then I've done a terrible job. And you should get your money back. Just take it straight out of the offering. <laughs> but... Uh, Sam, thank you. There's a reason why that is the number one movie in the world. But uh, when life takes unexpected turns, when life takes unexpected turns, every single one of us are going to encounter unexpected turns. Not just once, but multiple times in our life. How many of you have ever planned something? You planned everything out. You were planning maybe an outside party and everything was perfect except for the outside part. It's like the weather didn't care that you had put all this money into your hair and into this party and all of those things when life takes unexpected turns. I think one of the things, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've been realizing is just how incredibly arrogant we are, starting with myself, in the way that we just approach life like we really have control over what's going on. We are just one flat wheel away from not getting to work on time. But yet we think like we, we really are the masters of our destiny. And yet it takes so little to knock us off course. When life takes unexpected turns. Maybe something's happened recently. Uh, you know, maybe something's coming up. And I think a lot of us live in fear. What if? Maybe we don't verbalize it. But we live in fear. What if this happened? Like, and so we try to avoid it. Some people don't fly on planes just in case that plane's going to crash. But they obviously haven't seen the movie Final Destination. It's going to get you anyway. <laughs> when life takes unexpected turns, you have your plan, and then life punches you in the larynx. We've all had that. Those days where you're like, how did this happen? How did I get you? I had, yeah, you know, maybe it was marriage. You know, you're like, I'm going to live happily ever after. And it turned out you were married to Shrek. <laughs> when life takes unexpected turns, maybe you, you know, you got your dream job and it, 
you know, the company turned out to be Enron or whatever it might be when life takes unexpected turns. But my hope is for you to walk away with one thing today, that when you have your faith in Jesus Christ, there is no turn that is going to bring you down. Nothing is going to break you because of Jesus. That's what I want you to take away. So those you need to go, you can go now. And if I do offend you, I, I offended someone in the first service who left. But like, just go quietly, okay? We all know you're offended. You don't have to make a scene. Okay, here we go. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping back a bit from where uh, Pastor Bubba was preaching last week and, and carrying on to give some context. But here we go in uh, Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Wow, what a guy. Man, he had gusto and excitement about killing Christians. Now, I've always read this as like Saul was really a bad man. But as I was studying this, I came to the realization that Saul was not a bad man. He was a misinformed man. And as I've been watching all this stuff with Palestine and um, Israel and everything like that, when you hear some of these guys talk who we would call terrorists and, and enemies and terrible people who deserve to burn in hell and all of this stuff, I don't think they're much different to Paul. Of course, there are some people who know and willingly choose evil. And then there are others who just don't know. Because they've been raised in a certain way. They've been lied to. They've been indoctrinated and all of these things. And how is it any different to Paul here? You hear what I'm saying? We are so quick to pass judgments like we know anything. That's why they invented social media. It's because we needed an outlet to give our useless opinions that have no basis on facts or science. Right? We've received such beautiful comments from people about my wife and, you know, everybody's like, she's so beautiful and all these and, and, then, and we're praying for you. And then there was this one cat who wrote, well, that's what you get for going through a red light. Now, as I wrote out, you are a moron. <laughs> I never press send because the Lord impressed on my heart how many times I've been so convinced about something that I've inserted my opinion only to find out that I didn't know what I was talking about, but I did it confidently. One of my favorite stories of my sweet wife in hospital uh, uh, when she was able to start walking around, you know, I was testing her different abilities and there was a sign that said, please wash your hands before entering. And I said, my wife, can you read the sign? And she confidently said, yes. And she said, naproxen, 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 naproxen. And then she looked at me like, like she just landed a double backflip. <laughs> like she was so proud. And I was like, nailed it. <laughs> But we have to have more humility because we are so quick to assert things like we are God and we know everything and we are so often wrong. 
Humility is a sign of a Christian because we trust things uh, to God. Even our language, Scripture says, don't say, I'm going to do this. It says, if the Lord wills, I'm submitting my plans. Some of you are like, I can do that. If the Lord wills, I go to work tomorrow. Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> we have to clothe ourselves in humility. Paul was so certain, well, Saul, that he was doing right. That's the thing is, he wasn't a terrorist. He believed that he was actually serving God much like what some people in this world are doing that we would say they are the worst people on the planet. Yet they think they are serving a God and they are doing right. I'm not justifying crimes. Hear what I'm saying. We just give Paul, Saul grace because we know he becomes Paul. I'm going to show you that there were people who full on believed he was a terrorist and wanted nothing to do with him. We have to have grace with people and we have to change our language to say, I think, maybe. This is the conclusion I come to, but I could be wrong. Imagine we treated each other like that in church. Church is split because, well, I don't like that song. Okay, what if you're wrong? What if that song is awesome? You hear what I'm saying? Or he shouldn't have said it like that. In your opinion, maybe your opinion needs some work. It would change so many things if we could approach each other with, with the thing of saying, I think this is it. Lord, please continue to teach me. Because until we are standing shoulder to shoulder in heaven, there's a good chance that we are getting things wrong. So here he goes, uttering threats with every breath and eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters. That's my point. He's a man operating under authority. He's, 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 he's doing what he knows right and leadership is putting him in the wrong place. Have you heard some of these stories of, of some of these guys getting saved and meeting Jesus and going like, I had no idea? I had no idea. It's important that we fill our hearts with those things too. Otherwise, we become sitting on the throne. Judgment, judgment, judgment. No. The Bible says, don't judge. Right? Unless you want to be judged. You want to be judged? Okay. Me neither. Addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, on this mission. Anyone here on a mission? I think every day we're on a mission. We have some plan. Who set New Year's resolution? That's a mission. I had laid out some amazing plans for the year. I didn't even get to February. January 8th, my plans were undone. You hear what I'm saying? I was on a mission. I, had, I, I just re posted recently, I had put all the projections and everything for milk and honey and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Life said, thank you for your suggestion. <clears throat> In the larynx. And then suddenly shone down a, a light from heaven around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like... Who are you? I don't even know who you are. 
we would be so humbled if some of the people that we have judged so hard, if we would realize it's the only difference between us and them is that they have never had an encounter with Jesus. And you want to know something crazy? Some of the best Christians on this planet are people who we would have considered terrorists before they met Jesus. And now they're doing stuff that we're like, whoa, how are they that faithful? How are they that committed? It's amazing when you look at life a little bit of a different angle, right? And the voice replied, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Sure, in the church, I'm telling you, so many mistakes have been made in this where we have marched confidently down a, a road and we were wrong. My mom uh, told me a story um, in our church. Uh, uh, women wore dresses and hats and stuff like that and that's, you know, what Jesus said you must do. <laughs> and then there was this Jezebel woman from America who came in slacks. From the great Babylon. <laughs> and it was, and the pastor was like, this is no good. This can't work. You're like, you can't have Jesus and be a woman and wear slacks. It just, it's not possible, right? Light does not mix with darkness. <laughs> and somewhere in the service, this woman prayed for the pastor and he just went down. Boom. He had no, no control over that. And he got up and he's like, yes, women can wear slacks. Amen. <laughs> I'm just saying, he was so sure that he was right. And he had scripture to prove it, or at least a version what we will twist. Listen, we can take the Bible and we can twist a lot of things out of scripture if we want. But when we approach it humbly to say, what does this want to say? It's amazing how true it can be. When I read it with what I want it to say, it's amazing how dangerous it can be. Right? So now he's encountered Jesus. Now his whole world has been turned upside down because everything he thought that he was pursuing, his entire mission in life, his whole purpose just came crumbling to the ground because he realized he's been making a mistake. What do you do when life takes an unexpected turn? I want you to know that in every unexpected turn, God is still stable. It didn't catch him by surprise. He didn't go like, oh my goodness, what just happened there? I didn't see that coming. You can find God in every situation and every circumstance. As David said, even if I make my bed in hell, even if you are responsible for it, you can find God. Even if someone else is responsible for it, you can find God. Even if no one is responsible and there's a demonic mole Digging holes in your pond. You can find God in it. What is the most important thing that we can do with our life, in this life? I believe it is to walk with and know God. If you walk with God, everything else comes as a bonus. Seek ye first the kingdom. And his righteousness and? And all these things. I can tell you that sitting next to my wife in, in ICU, I didn't care about all those things. 
as, as we know, as we, everybody knows those things don't matter. And, but those things that I've been working so hard for really did not matter. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these. You know why they add it? You don't even care. It just happens. To know God is the most important thing that you can do with your life because with that you have direction. You have purpose. You, 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 you have everything you need. You have healing, wholeness. You've got, you've got the backing of heaven. But yet we, we try to pursue so many other things and then like add God along the side. I know I have. And that's the majority of how we serve God. So you look around and you're like, I'm doing okay. Everybody else is doing this. When God is our only pursuit, you cannot imagine what life is like. And hopefully by the end of this message, it gets us a little closer to that. Acts 9 verse 6 to 9. Jesus says to him, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. I love this part. Paul picked himself up off the ground. All his buddies around him. No one helps him. He's just lying there, and they're like, good luck with that. There are times in our life where we are going to have to pick ourselves up off the ground. And just because you've got a bunch of people around you, there are some things that other people can't do for you. You hear me? And it's not a bad thing. Don't blame other people for what only God can do in your heart and your life. I've always wondered, and, and, and Pastor Arthur reminded me in the break, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they were that calm. What about Daniel heading to the lion's den? Have you wondered that? Do you read those stories like they're real? Imagine being taken and you're about to get thrown into a lion's den and you are not screaming, you are not panicking, you are not trying to get away. You, he wasn't even praying out loud, God, please save me. He was just like, okay, this way, guys. I think... Because the outcome didn't matter. He was trusting God for something. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were trusting God for something. But the outcome did not matter because God was the prize. When God is the prize, you are, your world is never shattered. And this is what was revealed to me. A couple of weeks before the accident, my mom said, what's the thing you fear the most? And I said that something would happen to my wife. Because... My wife has been my world. Like, I want to spend time with her all the time. And she's like, yeah, give me a little space. <laughs> she like hides on the ranch where I can't find her. And then she says, I've been home all day. I was like, I've been looking for you for an hour. But you see, that's what was re revealed to me as I sat next to her bed and I apologized to God. I said, my wife has been my world instead of you being my world. And I don't know when that happened. You see, when God is my world, there's no day where God's not on the throne. 
when God's been in a crash, when God's been shot, when God's died of a heart attack, when, you know, whatever these things, because God is our world and everything else is a beautiful blessing bonus from Him. And so you don't get sidelined out of life when God is your world. You are stable. Do you cry? Of course, yes. Do you hurt? Of course, yes. Jesus wept. But your world doesn't crumble because God doesn't crumble. But when God is not our world, we crumble. We are broken. We, we, we fall to the floor. There were so many people who messaged me and, and out of kindness and goodness saying, Brent, it's okay to break. It's okay to crumble. It's okay to... But... It's Christ who strengthens us. So we don't have to break. We don't have to crumble. In my own strength, yes. I, I would have been broken on the first moment. But God is the one who holds all things together. So when life takes unexpected turns, we don't have to fear that. I believe there are some people sitting here, as, as I have been, that we secretly live in fear of something happening to family members, to us, our health, what if I get cancer? What if I, you know, lose, lose uh, uh, cognitive functions? All of these things. And you're, you're living in a cage. When life takes an unexpected turn, God is there. And so I can step onto a plane and say, give me those peanuts and not worry. <laughs> right? I get my ticket and I'm in a middle seat and I don't have to question God's goodness. Because God is in everything and I can find him. He doesn't cause everything. That's my belief. But I can find him in everything. Can I, uh, uh, just a quick little side story here. I've been trying to get septic for this new uh, domes thing at the ranch for a long time. And we haven't really got anywhere. And anyway, I had to go file some paperwork uh, at the at the city buildings there. And anyway, I go there and I've got the paperwork and I walk in and this sweet lady is smiling at me. Like big, big smile. Like too big, you know? <laughs> like she knows me. Anyway, so I walk and I say, I want to file this. And she's like, we've been following you on Facebook. And, and she starts tearing up. And then the girl next to her starts tearing up. Then I'm tearing up. And I'm like, I just wanted to get a septic. And, <laughs> <laughs> and here we have this beautiful moment. And that's what I'm talking about. No one here would ever imagine going to file a septic paperwork that you're like, oh my gosh, like we just had this love encounter happening here, you know. God is everywhere, even in septic paperwork. When you can look at life like that, there is never a bad day because God is in every day, even if it's supposed to be a bad day. When he opened his eyes, he was blind, and so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, where he remained there, blind for three days, and did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling 
Ananias. And he said, yes, Lord. Come on. Who here would be amped to have God appear to you in a vision and call your name? Let's be honest. But like, he's calling you. Like, the Lord of heavens is calling you on a mission. And you're like, yes, Lord. And Ananias is like, he, he is excited. If we are making a movie of this, he's like, Okay, it's like, oh, this is, this is fantastic. And he's, he's like, he's tweeting it and he's like telling his buddies, I just had a vision, unbelievable, right? And he says, go over to Straight Street. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, to the house of Judas. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, and there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's like, what? <laughs> this is so important. Because this is, this is what I love about Scripture. It's real. This is us. Will you go where I send you? Yes, Lord. Okay, I want you to go to Ghana. I didn't hear God say anything, did you? <laughs> I think he said Bahamas. Did you hear Bahamas? <laughs> Why? Because we don't trust him. I'm going I'm to show you this here. So he tells him to go ask for, for Saul. And uh, he says he is, he is praying there right now. I've shown him in a vision, um, right, that, that you are coming to, to lay hands for him to see again. Listen to this. But Lord. From yes, Lord, to but Lord. And this is the reality. And this is what I've been facing in my own life. I came to a realization in the hospital that I've been operating on a version of trust of God. This is very important. I trust God with many things. I trust God implicitly with my uh, uh, eternity because I know nothing about it and I don't need to get involved. But I trust Him less with the things that I have influence over like my work and my finances and things where I can put self-effort in to drive it forward. Because in the back of my mind, if I don't work my butt off, I'm going to lose this. And in that hospital, I said, Lord, have it all. I don't, I don't need anything. I only want in my life what you want for me because that is the greatest place of fulfillment. Do you know that you can be in Ghana in one of those places that the, the missionary was showing last week and you can be more fulfilled there than living in a $50 million penthouse? Not to say there's a plan for somebody to live in a $50 million penthouse. You with me? Don't say like, oh, then they can't be serving God. No. The point is for me, what is God asking of me? Because that is the point of the most fulfillment, the most joy, and the life that you put your head on your pillow and you go, that was incredible. But people have been missing this ever since Paul has been writing letters. Do you know that when God revealed to him that he was going to go die, Paul, the elders tried to talk him out of it because they couldn't comprehend that that, that would be the path that he should be on. 
But there was a mission and a purpose and a plan. And when God is the prize, the rest of it doesn't matter. Can you honestly trust God with all of those things? Because we are taught in every fiber of this uh, 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 culture that you get as much as you can get, you work as hard as you can get, and you just climb the same ladder that everybody else is climbing. To let go is crazy. You're going to end up poor. Let me ask you this. I'm not saying being poor is, is a blessing. But what is wrong with being poor? Anybody? Because scripture says rather just some bread and peace than feast with fighting. But that's not how we work. I'd rather have the feast than fighting. Because we're pursuing the wrong things. Because our goals are wrong. You with me? So he says, listen to this. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. And Ananias went from yes, Lord, to but, Lord, because now it was going to touch on his life. Lord, you're putting me in harm's way. And I'll follow you out here. You want me to go minister, you know, at Chick-fil-A? I'm there. <laughs> like, I'm going to talk to the people behind the counter and high five people. And he might be calling you to that. But now God's calling you to do something that, that puts your life on the line. You're like, no, this is what I'm talking about. And this is something you know, when I look back on my life and I see some of the things the Lord has done, honestly, the thought went through my mind. I don't know how I trusted the Lord that much. My wife and I moved to South Africa with a, with a, a three-month-old. And how old was Geordie? Two. With no plan, just because we believed uh, uh, that's what God wanted. We, 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 we sold everything in Aspen. We were in a beautiful place and went to South Africa just because we so much wanted to follow what the Lord was doing. And now it's like, look back on like, that was crazy. And somewhere in this hospital, I remembered what it is like to trust God with everything. I said, I don't care. I just want what you want for our lives. And I want to try to explain this in a way that doesn't take away from faith and expectations, but I never held God to the outcome. I prayed for very specific things, the, the tube to come out and these things. But when I would sit there next to my wife's bed, I'd tell God, this is the happiest I've been in I don't know how long. And she had her boxing gloves on. She was tied up, all these things. And I just sat there and going like, God, you have been so good to us. Thank you for everything. That's not normal, but that's kingdom. What do you want, Lord? What do you want? What do you want from our lives? How would you like us to walk this out? You want us to go back to living in an apartment? We will be the best apartment livers you've ever seen. Come on, we, we, hold, we hold on to these things way too tight. And I'm not saying that Poverty is, is more blessed. I'm just saying when you can let it all go, if you can lose your life, you will find it.
I put no demands on God for anything, but focused on his goodness. And that's what I rested in. That's where I found my peace. And people are like, Brent, you're so amazing. And I'm like, I said to my mom, I said, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I feel like everybody else is working far harder than what I am in their prayer life and all of these things. But the goodness of God to sustain us. Amen. And can I give a little testimony? And Do you know that all our marketing, all my strategy, everything for the ranch, we just let go. And, and we were just focused on prayer and, and, and posting uh, for the Lord, uh, uh, lifting up his name. So much so that, that uh, a big influencer who was supposed to be coming out to the ranch canceled and said, I don't want to work with you guys because of the direction that you've gone. And we were like, okay. Can I tell you something? Do you know how much the ranch grew in January just lifting up the name of Jesus? 500%. Wow. We were in the hospital in January. Do you know how much it grew in February? 500%. Do you know how much it's already grown for March? 500%. The Lord could have had the ranch. He still can have the ranch. Do you, I, I, I'm sorry to use these things. I just, I, I'm, I'm trying to give realistic examples of what's going on because this is not glory to anything that we're doing. Monica will tell you, this is the grace and the mercy of God giving him something. Now, if the ranch ended, I would still stand here and tell you about the goodness of God. My wife, why don't you come down here, please? There's, there's, This is a very important point that I'm uh, uh, going to make. There were three other families who, who, who were there, also believers, whose family members had gone into the ICU because of traumatic brain injury. Daniela was the only one who came out. This is very important here because this is real life. Did Daniela come out because she's God's favorite? Did Daniela come out because we just prayed better? We knew the right words. We had more people praying. God can be found in every situation. Church, you need to understand there are some times that we're going to pray for something and the result that we want is not going to happen. It's not up to us to judge God on the outcome. It's up to us to hold on to His goodness and say, Lord, I know that you have something no matter the situation and the circumstance. This is critically important. We do not have to have a crisis of faith and a crisis of our souls because things don't work out the way we think they should work out because God is still good and God still works together everything for those who love Him according, according to His purpose for good. So don't hold God on the outcome. Hold Him on His goodness. And I'm, I'm writing to some of those families and I get to talk to them. And God's doing something completely different. 
But in our hearts, we're like, oh, if they died, well, oh, well. No, no, you have no idea what God can do in that situation. But you've got to keep holding on. One of the questions was, why did God do this? How do we answer that question? Introducing for the first time. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I really um, appreciate everybody's prayers and, and heartfelt prayers is, is what it was. Um, thank you so much. I actually have no memory of the accident or about a full week and like spotty after that um, of the accident. So when he says all these lovely things about our marriage, when I was in hospital, I don't remember any of it. <laughs> Apparently, I don't remember my kids' names. I called them Johannesburg and Austin, I think. <laughs> and I didn't. I don't. I don't remember you or what I said to you or anything like that. But he told me the other day I did remember Jesus. And um, I don't remember having had a conversation with Jesus while I was in the hospital or any of those things. But now, I mean, I, I feel gratitude and appreciation for Him. And I feel His peace and I feel His joy like now more than I have in a long, long time. Um, did Jesus do this to me? Absolutely not. Has He been there for me? Absolutely. But He did not cause me to have the accident in the first place. Um, so he has, been, he has been so good and He continues to be so good in whatever that looks like. Like Brent has been saying, it doesn't really matter um, because he is, he is that good. So I know who He is now and I know who all of you are because I do remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a memory of beforehand and afterwards, but um, I'm glad I'm married to this guy. But <laughs> But when I was in hospital, I had no idea. <laughs> Thank you, my wife. <laughs> you know what's crazy? My wife and I would laugh every day. She doesn't remember it. But we had such fun. And, uh, you know, she would never let me take photos of her or anything. And in the hospital, I would ask her permission always. I mean, when, when she came around before that, I just assumed. But I say, can we take a photo? And she'd be like, yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. I love this. But I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Please, I'm not weighing down on faith. We must believe. The definition of faith is things hopeful. The evidence of things not seen. That is how we pray and that is how we hold. But the outcome, we have to trust a good God. What if my wife didn't make it? Would you ever see me standing in this pulpit again? Who thinks? Would I still say that God is good? You best believe it. Because we would be finding God in a different way. His goodness would still be going forth. The story would just look a little bit different. And we have to make peace with that. That life is going to twist and turn, but God is going to be good. And God is going to bring us through. And God is going to carry us. And God is going to heal us. And God is going to make us whole. 
and not even death is going to conquer us. We might think it conquered, but we are eternal beings. And on the other side, we're going like, oh my goodness, guys, don't be sad. This is incredible. (laughs) So God reveals to to Saul how much he's going to suffer. God doesn't cause us to suffer, but He revealed to him what his journey was going to be. Many of the sufferings that we go through is because of the choices of others. And listen to this. Even after God reveals to him that he's going to suffer, if we jump to Acts 9 verse 19 to 20, it says, And Paul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately began preaching about Jesus. I mean, come on. The dude just a few days was hunting Christians. Now he's got the sticker on his car. He's downloaded the Bible app. He's got four podcasts going. That's a miracle. I got to ask you, are you willing to trust God when life takes unexpected turns? That blindness was the best thing that ever happened to him. The best thing that ever happened to him. And if you would trust God with your pain, I'm telling you, even though you say, Brent, you are absolutely crazy, you'll say, this is the, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Not because of the, the tragedy, but because you gave it up and just let God. Now, can you do that without tragedy? Yeah, of course you can, but very rarely do we give God everything on the mountaintop. It's always in the valley where we've got nothing. You're like, take it all. It's like, you don't have anything. <laughs> I don't want it. You've got nothing. <laughs> right? When we can fully trust God with pain, all things are possible. Because now all the limits are gone. I have no demand on where I need to live. I have no demand on what I need to have. I have no demand on on anything. Yes, I pray for things and dream about things, but I have no demand on anything from God except that I might walk with Him all the days of my life. They can't take what you don't have. Well, Brent, we're going to take your house. Speak to God about that. It's His. You hear what I'm saying? I can't believe how much fear and stress and anxiety that I've been living with for who knows how long because I've been trying to hold my world together. And when my wife lay in that bed, my world came apart. But I fell into the arms of someone who does not come apart. I would hate for you to think that in any way, shape or form, I'm talking about something great that I have done. I'm talking about the greatness of a merciful God that is there for you and there for me. Amen. Listen to this last slide. Don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right 
hand. With Jesus, there is nothing that I will face that I will not have the strength for. There is nothing that I will face that will overcome me, not even death. I will be victorious in this life no matter the loss, the tragedy, the failure, or anything else. I do not fear loss or pain or anything else because I will find God there and I will walk through it with Him. I never asked God why. It didn't even cross my mind until someone's like, you must be really struggling with why this happened. No, actually, I didn't think about it till you brought that up. Because it doesn't matter why. It matters where. Where are you, God, in this? Where can I find you? And we would find Him every day. And I was like, my wife, you've got to read these posts. And she's like, it takes me so long. Those posts are so long. <laughs> right now, in the situation that you are facing today, in the one that you're going to face tomorrow, there is a way to find God. Can I tell you one more personal dumb thing? So for six months, we've been trying to get these domes going, right? And I know you're like, I don't want to hear about your dumb domes, but just pretend. And I just was like, whatever, Lord, we don't need these domes. Like if you want us to have them or you think we have need of them, then would you bring it back? And then we had the mole who dug a hole into our pond and flooded where we needed to put the domes. And we laughed. And he did it for two weeks. And we laughed a little bit less. We have people booked in on March 8th. Check the date. We had no power, no water, no septic. We had these beautiful AI images on Airbnb. Where's Monica? There's Monica. There's Monica and Uga. If I'm lying, you say he's lying, okay? But I feel like we have handled this situation so well. We have not lost our cool. We have not gone crazy. We have just been like, Lord, if this needs to happen, this needs to happen. We'd like this to happen, but we're just trusting you. It doesn't matter at the end of the day because even if I have to phone these guests and say, yes, you can stay in my mom's house, that... We're going to find the Lord in it. And I'm trying to use something dumb like these domes because I've gone from one extreme of my wife in ICU all the way to, Lord, this mole surely cannot be your creation. Surely. But God is in it all. God cares about all of these things. And Satan will want to rob you that you are worthy of God being involved in every aspect of your life because He will remind you of things that you have done. And it is a lie. He made you worthy. When you called upon the name of Jesus, He said, I'm going to be with you and I will never leave you or forsake you. And at any point, no matter how far you've dug yourself into a hole, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what is going on, you can let go and just put your arms up and say, Lord, please take it. 
please rescue me. And I've never heard of God saying, too busy. No, thank you. You're too far. I can't reach you. Right? You were born out of Brenham. I only help people born in Brenham. (laughs) With Jesus, you will never be overcome. But spoiler alert, without Jesus, I don't know how people do it. So today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray a simple prayer that can have an eternal difference on your life. Because He's already done all the heavy lifting. He's already done all the work. I didn't have to hang on a cross. He did. I didn't have to overcome all the sin in the world. He did. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes because it's not a spectacle, but it is something from the heart. As Pastor Arthur said, Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, if that is you today, and you want to pray this prayer, and you say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to rescue me. I need you to rescue my soul. I do not want to do this alone anymore. Would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with? And then we are going to pray together as a church. If that's you, just raise your hand and we will pray. Amen. I see that hand. Man in heaven's going nuts. Yes. Because what greater thing is there? Okay, let's pray together, church. Father God, I believe that you sent your son. To die on the cross and to be raised again. And because of that, I can be forgiven of all my sins and I can be made a child of God. So, Jesus, I call upon your name to rescue me, to forgive me of my sins, and to make me whole. And, Father, you will never leave me or forsake me because I am a child of God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you, everybody. Please, if you are not in a church, in a body of believers, get into a church. It doesn't have to be this church, but this church does come with a few added benefits. love you. We want to talk to you. If you want to have conversations, if you want to talk through things, you need prayer, we are here. Otherwise, run away. Read some books. We love you. Thanks for listening today. To stay connected, visit us online at velocityburnham.org and follow us on Instagram. And if you're ever in the Burnham area, we'd love to have you visit us on a weekend. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.